Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Welcome to Hard Currency, the Financial Times podcast on the foreign exchange market. I'm Roger Blitz, and three themes have dominated currencies this week. The Federal Reserve's rate hike and what new chair Jay Powell had to say about it. Donald Trump's protectionism push and the rise of the pound amid positive Brexit talks, positive wages data and a positive Bank of England. With me to discuss these themes is Eric Norland, the senior economist at the US Futures Exchange, CME. Eric, let's start with the Fed. Jay Powell, what did you make of what he had to say? Obviously, we knew the hike was coming, but what's the market learnt from him? I think what the market has learned from Jay Powell's comments yesterday were that it needs to reshape its expectations for what happens after 2018. Uh, So you're right. Yesterday's move was not a surprise. Uh, But beyond that, though, the market had already priced uh, something very close to the Fed's dot plot for the rest of 2018, which is to say a total of three rate hikes. Uh, So yesterday's plus two more probably to come in June and December, most likely. Um, But beyond that, though, the market had never really bought in to the other part of the Fed's dot plot, which was three rate hikes in 2019 and potentially further tightening in 2020. And now the market has begun to take more and more of that pricing into account. So did you think that it was hawkish? Because the general view was, you know, there's a lot of market expectation. This is going to be a really hawkish uh, statement. American economy is going fantastically well, but perhaps he wasn't hawkish enough or as hawkish as the market expected. Well, you know, it's interesting. So the Fed funds futures did, in fact, after his talk, price more rate hikes in for 2019. So if that was as objective to get the markets to do that, it was a success. However, you're right, his comments were actually very nuanced. Um, He points out that the economy has been growing quite nicely for a long time. But at the same time, we have this sort of mysterious lack of inflationary pressure. He seems a bit more willing to maybe throw out some of the economic models and to let the economy ride. So on the one hand, he says that. On the other hand, you have this dot plot that keeps showing the Fed tightening interest rates more and more. So it seems to be kind of a contradiction between this idea that the Goldilocks economy is there on the one hand and the idea that we need tighter policy on the other hand. Yes, I mean, perhaps we need a few Fed meetings and a few J-PAL Q&As to get a feel for him. But certainly in terms of the assets that responded to it, the dollar weakened, equities seem to be fine about it. Which do you think is the more accurate reflection of that meeting and what he said? Well, I think the dollar is in a really hard position right, right. here. Um, and so the reason is, so on the one hand, yes, we have the Fed meeting and the Fed rate hike and his discussion after the after the move. Um, on the other hand, Congress has been making a lot of progress during the same day um, on a bill to spend an additional $1.3 trillion, mm-hmm. so, some of which was already forecast to be spent. Uh, But this sort of represents a big fiscal breakdown for the United States. Not only has the U.S. seen an enormous tax cut passed in December, but now we're seeing a boost in military spending 
and in domestic spending that threatens to double the size of the deficit. The deficit is now really, you think, in the market's uh, sights, is it? Yes, I think that's right. And so when the U.S. has what I would call a relative fiscal deterioration compared to other countries, the dollar tends to weaken. Because, I mean, one thing that the dollar has weakened on is, is the fact that European growth seemed to be going faster than the U.S. That doesn't seem to be the case these days. If anything, European is, fl- is flattening. U.S. growth still is you know, heading upwards beyond 3%. But I suppose the point is that the market is almost like saying you need to give us a really strong view to buy the dollar because there seems to be lots of reasons not to. There's going to be so much demand on the part of the federal government to borrow funds in U.S. dollars. Mm-hmm. That is not a very dollar bullish story. You know, historically, when the U.S. has undergone fiscal deteriorations, um, at the same time as other countries, like the countries here in Europe, um, are having relatively stable fiscal policy, um, the U.S. dollar has not been a strong currency. Uh, so the U.S. dollar is sort of in the midst of a tug of war here. On the one hand, we have higher interest rates, which should pull the dollar higher. On the other hand, we have exploding budget deficits, which are beginning to sink the US dollar. And it looks like for the moment, the deficits are winning. And also for the moment, Joe Powell's not really saying anything about politics. He's not saying anything about protectionism or what he thinks about the impact of fiscal in his calculations. But on protectionism, we're in the unusual position. we're, We're broadcasting this when Donald Trump is about to announce measures against China in particular, we don't quite know what they are. So our listeners know what it is. But in general sense, Do you think the market is just nervous about the whole protectionism story? I think that it is creating nervousness in certain segments of the market, certainly. Um, Certainly within equity markets and uh, sectors that are perhaps touched by these uh, various um, proposals we're hearing out of the administration. There, I think there's a great deal of nervousness. In terms of the more macro aspect of the market, the debt markets, the currency markets, it's a little harder to say. I uh, I think that people probably are taking the view that the impact of these sorts of measures on the macroeconomy is not likely to be too great unless countries like China or the countries of the European Union respond in kind. Uh, But for the most part, other countries appear to be viewing this as a passing storm and don't seem to be positioning themselves for escalation. It's difficult to work out because actually you look at NAFTA, there seems to be some positive noises about that, which pushed up the, the Mexican peso and the, the, the Canadian dollar. So as you say, you have to slice and dice, as it were, the whole protectionism story. That's right. Yeah, I think part of it is meant to appeal to a domestic political audience within the United States. But there's obviously a great deal of pushback among large portions of the business community. Uh, So politically and economically, it's a very, very complex story. Okay. What, What was also a very complex story was Brexit, which got some clarity this week with the transition deal, the draft deal announced between the UK and the EU. And that has given some momentum to sterling. Uh, Plus, we had some pretty good numbers out of wages and inflation, not so much about retail in the UK. And we've ended up with this uh, Bank of England uh, at the end of this week, two uh, members dissenting, wanting a rate hike now. Looks like May is very much on on the cards. Hey, this is is sterling positive all round, isn't it? 
Well, it does seem to be, yes. I think the idea of having uh, the hard potential hard cliff on Brexit delayed by 21 months, mm-hmm. uh, so not happening in March of next year, but happening maybe in December 2020, uh, gives Sterling a bit of breathing room, gives yeah. everyone in the UK a bit of breathing room. Um, so I think that that, in a sense, is you know, positive. And certainly the economic data has been broadly supportive. Um, unlike the United States, the UK has not hiked taxes. There's not an explosion of government spending. There is some increase going on. Uh, but you're not seeing a big fiscal deterioration. So I think all of this is a uh, sort of positive for sterling. And it's you know, sort of easy to imagine it getting it back to 150 versus the US dollar. Uh, but therein sort of lies the counter argument yeah, against well, tighter monetary policy yes. is if the currency is strengthening, yeah. in a sense, it's doing the monetary yeah. tightening yeah. on behalf of the central bank. Uh, but we seem to be on, you know, rate hike watch everywhere. Um, and central banks are almost kind of I- ignoring that, that currency strength, almost like they need to position themselves to have higher uh, interest rates in order to be able to cut them at some point in the future. I mean, that's the old fashioned view, isn't it? But something in that, isn't there? Yeah, well, I think I think that what we saw is when the currency crashed after the Brexit referendum, there was a pop in inflation. And so yeah. we're still kind of living through the last embers of that increase in inflation, which is now starting to fade. As the sterling strengthens versus the dollar, uh, that should cause that in positive inflationary pop to become somewhat more negative. But it's going to take months and months and months for that to show up in the inflation data. Uh, So for anybody looking at the retail price index, the consumer price index, or other measures of inflation, they're going to have to wait six months, nine months, a year to see it come out of the numbers. Looking forward as you are, that's that's fine. But just looking back, Eric, the start of the year, I was just thinking about your conviction thoughts, the things that you have had nailed on for this year and and how they're doing now we're coming to the end of the first quarter. Well, in terms of the state of the global economy, the British economy, Europe, America, China, everything so far is going, I think, very much as planned. I think that 2018 um, is a pretty obvious case that economies just continue to grow. Uh, Monetary policy has not become tight enough, even in the United States, to derail economic recovery, yeah. uh, much less in the UK or the euro area where policy remains extraordinarily easy. Um, you know, that said, I think in terms of markets, um, it's not too surprising that the dollar is weakening given the tax cuts, given yeah. the increased spending. Um, in terms of equity markets, I guess it's a you know, maybe a bit of a surprise that we had such a big correction earlier on in the year and that that correction produced no flight to quality in bonds. Okay. Um, So just to conclude, Eric, give me your one thing that's keeping you awake at night. What's the one big risk that might still derail all of this? I think the one big risk is that the Fed continues to hike rates, even if there's no obvious reason to do so. Uh, The U.S. has very little in the way of wage pressure, despite 4% unemployment, uh, very low inflation. If the Fed keeps hiking rates, I think that there is a significant risk that they flatten out the yield curve, Mm -hmm. and that a flat yield curve eventually creates an eruption of volatility in markets and an explosion of credit spreads. Which which happened when? What what year have you got in the back of your mind? So there's been a number of times in the past in which this has happened. It happened in the late 1990s. Yeah. Um, it happened again in 2006. Right. Um, they flattened out the yield curve. And so about a year later, we had a huge blow up in credit spreads and in volatility. Um, so you know, if they get the yield curve to flat by, say, 2019, we could have a very wild 2020 and 2021. 
Not a good start for the new Fed chair, Jay Powell. My thanks to Eric Norland of CME. Join us again next week for Hard Currency to discuss all the big currency and market moves. Is the dollar returning to weakness and is the pound returning to strength? Until then, it's goodbye. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.